Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning services to you each and every week. We are currently in our sermon series, Stories of Christmas. In this series, we are walking through Luke 2 and the stories of different people who played a role in the Christmas story. From Mary and Joseph to the shepherds and the Magi, each of these stories will culminate in the birth of Jesus. So join us as we share the stories of Christmas. Uh, well, good morning, good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so great to be together. Big welcome, everybody here at Franklin Campus. Big welcome to our online campus. And it's Christmas time, and I love Christmas. Now, how many of you already have your tree up? Anybody already have your tree up? All right, all right. Yeah, a lot of people, all right. Well, we did it right after Thanksgiving. I'm like a big after Thanksgiving kind of person, right? And and so we waited till, you know, that Saturday after Thanksgiving, so last weekend, and then we got all the boxes out of the attic and everybody, you know, came together and as a family, we're working together to put up the tree, put up the lights on the house. And it's always kind of a fun time. And we have Christmas music playing. We have a great time and putting up the stockings and everybody's doing great so far. And, and we're having a good time. And then we put out the nativity scene. Now, I have a nativity set that I got when I was in Israel like about 20 years ago. So one of my first trips to Israel, I bought this olive wood nativity scene out of Bethlehem. And I mean, it's just precious to me. I love it. So every year I take the time to set it up and I just get so excited about it. And so we're all putting up the tree, the stockings, everything else. And so we're putting up the nativity scene and we put out all, everybody's getting, you know, put out. You got Mary and Joseph and the shepherds, the Magi, we put them out anyway, even though they weren't there probably for about two years, but that's okay. We put them out anyway, you know, we got the sheep and everything else. And so we get it all set up and then we're putting it out and I'm like, hey, where's Jesus? Because we were missing Jesus. We had all the pieces, but literally we did not have Jesus. Look, Mary and Joseph are looking down and there's no way to look at, right? I mean, it's just kind of awkward. And I'm like, Lisa, where's Jesus? And she's like, I don't know. He's not in the box. And I'm like, well, what do you mean he's not in the box? She's like, he's not in the box. And so I'm like, hey, kids, we got to find Jesus, okay? So everybody's looking all over the house. Literally, I'm not kidding. We're looking all over the house for Jesus. We've got the boxes out for the stockings and the lights and the garland. And finally, praise the Lord, we found Jesus, right? We had put Jesus in a special place so we wouldn't forget him, right? And so we had this special place, a bubble wrap, and we finally get Jesus. And now it looks so much better, right? With Jesus in the nativity kind of helps make it, you know? And we were just like, I can't believe this. And I started thinking about it. I was like, you know what? This is what Christmas is like for a lot of people. Right? I mean, we've been there and put up the tree, and we get the lights, and we go shopping, and we got the Christmas movies that we're playing already in November, right? You know, you got Allmark that's happening. You've got all the sales and the shopping and everything else. And at some point, we kind of look around and go, where's Jesus? Right? I mean, we got everything, right, in culture that would say this is Christmas, but don't forget the most important part. It's all about Jesus. It's his birthday we celebrate, right? I mean, it is the Christ of Christmas. It is Jesus who we worship. And so I pray this Christmas we would find Jesus. I pray this Christmas would be our best Christmas yet as we worship Jesus. You know, we're in this great series called The Stories of Christmas. And we're seeing that there is the story of Christmas, but also every one of us, every one of us is impacted when we meet Jesus. All of our stories change. All of our lives come alive. And last week, Kelly did a great job talking about Mary, right? And how her story totally changed. You know, she had all these great plans for her life. And then all of a sudden the angel shows up and here's Mary like scared to death. 
like going, what in the world, right? No, you're going to be pregnant with the Messiah. And in that moment, we see this incredible declaration of faith and truth where Mary comes and she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. And just that incredible trust. And Mary, you're like, yeah, way to go. I mean, it was awesome. And today we're looking at Joseph. Now, Joseph doesn't get a lot of pub, right? You know, it's Mary and Jesus most of the time in the Christmas story. But Joseph, man, how incredible is this guy? And you think about when God was choosing an earthly dad for his son, he chose Joseph. And there's a lot we can learn. His story, I believe, will impact all of us today. And so I'm so excited that we're all together today to study God's word. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one, New Testament right there. You know, Matthew is, is the hinge of the Bible, right? You got the Old Testament, then you turn into the New Testament, you got Matthew right here. And the Old Testament, fantastic, all talking about the coming Messiah. Over 300 prophecies concerning the first coming of Christ, Jesus the Messiah. And then you get to Matthew and Matthew's like, here he is, right? And Matthew's story was totally impacted by Jesus, right? Matthew, right? Levi, the tax collector. And then he comes to know Jesus, but he's writing all this down. He starts off with a genealogy and he traces back through Joseph. There's another genealogy in Luke, Luke chapter three, traces back through Mary. But you can see that Jesus will be born in the house in the line of David. And so you come here in verse 18 and Matthew says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, the one we've all been waiting for, right? All of history has been waiting for the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now that is so important, right? Jesus, fully God, the divinity of Christ that you see, born of the Holy Spirit, but also fully man born of a woman. So you got the humanity and the divinity of Christ and you see that right here. But just imagine, just imagine that time. You know, you imagine here's Mary and she's pledged to be married. See, Jewish weddings are different than we have in the States, right? In Western culture. Uh, back then, Jewish weddings were arranged marriages, okay? Now, as the dad of three daughters, I'm all for bringing that back. Let's go, you know, so I, you know because I'm just thinking, man, that'd be, that'd be great, right? Uh, I did have one of my daughters, I'm not gonna tell you which one, but one of my daughters did say to me recently, she said, dad, if we had arranged marriages, I would trust you. I thought that was the best compliment I've ever gotten in my entire life, you know? The other two didn't say it, but the one said, you know? And I thought that was great. So, but here's what they did, right? The parents would meet, they would come together, and, and then, you know, girls got married back then, like 13, 14, 15 years old, okay? So they were young, and, and the boys were usually like 16, 17, 18 years old. But the parents, they would all meet, and, and at that point, the kids had a chance to say no. Praise God for that, right? You know, so, so they can meet, they can spend some time together and they go, yeah, I'm not into this, right? But, but if they said yes, they're at that moment, then literally, legally, they're married. They are married. And, and so they would be married at that time. And then the husband would go off and like get the house ready and get everything prepared, get the job thing going, you know? And then he would come back for his daughter, usually for his wife, right? About six months, about a year later and sweep her off her feet and have a big ceremony, big celebration that they would have. And so you could think about some of Jesus' parables, right? Remember talking about, you know, keep your lamps trimmed and burning. The bridegroom is coming, all of those things. That is because of the Jewish weddings. And so they're in this time where they're legally married, right? And then 
The angel appears to Mary and says, hey, you're pregnant with the Holy Spirit, with the Messiah, the Son of God. Now imagine that conversation going down like Mary going, uh, Joe, we need to talk. And Joe's like, what, honey? We got the invitations out. You know, what, what else we got to do? I do flowers, whatever else. And she's like, um, no, I'm pregnant. What? No, it's the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, we're talking the Messiah. I mean, you can imagine. And Joe's like, what are you talking about? But look here, verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. Guys, that's powerful right there. And Joseph hears this news and all he can think about is like, you know, who is he? Who was he? I, uh, and his heart's broken. Now back then, right, if a woman was caught in adultery, they were, by the law, stoned, killed. And it wasn't just Jews that did that, right? You can go back into antiquities and see in Persia, also in Egypt, that was the penalty for adultery. But you can see how Joseph loved Mary, <laughs> even then. He loved her. And he's like, no, I'm, I'm not gonna do that, right? I'm, I'm just gonna divorce her. Well, you go your way, I'll go my way. It'll be okay. And, and, and you could just see him wrestling with this. Verse 20, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Yeshua in Hebrew literally means salvation. That's what Jesus' name means. You name him salvation, right? Because he will save his people from their sins. Right here at Jesus' birth, you see the gospel. The good news that Jesus came to die on a cross for your sins, for my sins. The whole reason Jesus came, the whole reason we celebrate Christmas is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And you see that right there. He will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, how incredible is this? But that prophecy was written 800 years before Jesus was born. That was in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, 800 years. Now, think about that. 800 years before they say the virgin will give birth. Virgins don't give birth. But here we are 800 years later, the Messiah. Do you know there was over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the first coming of Jesus and all of them are fulfilled in Christ? Every one of them. The probability is astronomical. But when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Jesus, salvation. Joseph's life was forever changed. His story was forever changed. And I pray that's what will happen to every one of us this Christmas as we find Jesus. If you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. If you have a worship guide or if you're online, if you want to pull up the app there at the Church Center app, a Rolling Hills app, we've got a place where you can fill in some blanks. But man, I just would love for you to get this today because it's so important as we continue this study. Look at this. Number one is this. Joseph was righteous. Joseph was righteous, okay? And that's a big deal, right? You think when God's looking for the father, earthly father of his son, he, he wanted somebody who knew the law, right? It says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Now, many translations, like we just read, it says he was faithful to the law. 
Faithful law, or in other translations, he was righteous. That means he, he kept the law. He knew what God wanted him to do. He stayed true to the law. See, being righteous means that you do the right thing. It sounds so simple, <laughs> and yet it's not, right? I mean, we live in a world that blurs the line. You know, Jesus called Satan the father of lies. And that's what Satan loves to do. You know, did God really say, are you sure you don't have to do the right thing. Come on, live a little. You'll be cool. You'll be popular. You know, I mean, it's just like, what? But that's what it does to us all the time. And yet Joseph was a guy who's like, no, 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 no. I'm gonna stand by the word of God. <laughs> I'm gonna live my life by the word of God. I'm gonna trust God. See, righteousness comes from putting God first. Righteousness comes in our life when we put God first. You know, we have to decide, am I going to put the world first in my life or am I going to put God first? Am I going to live for the things of God? Maybe they're not popular with the world today, but, but I'm going to trust him and I'm going to follow him. Or am I going to just go along with what everybody else says? Righteousness comes with putting God first. I love this in Luke chapter two. It tells us every year his parents, that's Jesus, so his parents, Mary and Joseph, every year, notice that, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. So it means every year from birth through 12 and even later on, they would go to Jerusalem to worship there at the temple. That was what they were supposed to do. That's what the Old Testament said. But here's the challenge. They're living in Nazareth. Nazareth is 90 miles from Jerusalem. They don't have cars. They don't have a bus. They can't hop southwest. I mean, like, you know, you're just like, you are going 90 miles. And every year, they did it. Every year, Joseph's like, all right, get the family. We're going. Now, imagine you're walking. Most people say it's going to take you five to seven days, an entire week, to go down there to worship at the temple. We got people who complain. They go, oh, I got to drive 20 minutes and it's raining and I'm in an air-conditioned car. You know, I can't make it to church. And you're like, really? They're going like a whole week sleeping outside to get to worship. But God's like, man, that's what I want. You know, I want my son being at home. They're coming to church. I just want to commend you. Being at church, watching, I mean, like growing, it makes a difference. Here's the thing. Righteousness on the outside flows from character on the inside. Righteousness on the outside flows from character on the inside. You can do the right thing short term, but over time, who you are on the inside is going to come out on the outside. Who you are privately is going to come out publicly. That's why in the Old Testament, when they were anointing a king after Saul fell off, right? And Saul kind of went the way of the world. And God says, hey, go anoint a new king. Go to the house of Jesse. And Jesse brings out his sons and he brings out the tallest and the strongest first. And Samuel's like, yeah, that looks like a king. Oh, yeah, you know, you know. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. And they get down to David. And Samuel's like, really, him? This little short, puny guy? Are you kidding me, God? And God goes, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. <laughs> and God was looking at the heart of Joseph. <laughs> And God looks at our heart, right? You, you see, we live in a world where, you know, you have politicians like, man, going to jail and being kicked out or athletes or, man, you're just thinking, what in the world? Business people, Ponzi schemes, and you're going, you can live the way of the world, but that's what's gonna happen. Those are gonna be the consequences. But man, if you're walking with the Lord and it's a daily habit of trusting him and then doing the right thing, 
God is with you, God's for you, hold on to him. But here's the beautiful part about Joseph, I think that sets him apart. Joseph tempered his righteousness with compassion. He tempered his righteousness with compassion. Who were Jesus' harshest words for? Anybody remember? The Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were the most righteous people. You talk about faithful to the law, those guys, man, they did it like to the letter of the law. They were keeping all the commands, but they had no compassion. Woman caught in the act of adultery, stoner, right? I mean, every time it was judgmental, it was legalism. And that's what can happen. Well, I'm right, you know, everybody else is wrong, you know, and, and, and that can happen even today. But we're called to have compassion. We're called to do the right thing, but we're called to be compassionate. There's people who may not know the Lord. They're gonna do wrong things. We, we pray, we encourage. Even our kids are gonna make mistakes. We pray, we encourage. We don't rage, we don't get anger. Hold on, how can I be compassionate? And Joseph, he was a righteous man, faithful to law. Faithful to law would have been take out to stone you, but no, 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 I love you. And I'm gonna have compassion. Aren't you thankful that our God is a God of compassion? Amen. Yeah, he's a God of justice but he's also a God of mercy. Praise be to God. Look at this second one. Joseph took time to consider. Joseph took time to consider. I think there's a really big deal right here. See, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, we don't take time to consider a lot, right? But here's what I would encourage you. Take time to think before you speak. Take time to think before you speak. You know, the holidays are a great time, right? Christmas is an awesome time. I love it. But when emotions are high, they're really high. And when things are hard, they're really hard. And you're gonna have people coming at you in all different ways, right? You may have your in-laws coming, okay? You know, you may have a house full of people. Maybe you love your in-laws. Great, praise the Lord. That's awesome, right? Or maybe there's some tension. You get some extended family in the house. You get everybody coming back from college and you get all these people in there. And, and sometimes our fuse can be really short. And I would just encourage you, I would just encourage you, be a person, right, who thinks before you speak. Be a person who goes, oh, I'm gonna jump right in there, but uh, I'm gonna hold back. Right, I'm not gonna respond in anger. I'm not gonna respond in rage. I'm not gonna get frustrated or angry. I'm gonna hold on. Let me just take some time to think. See, we live in an impulsive world, right? You know, it's all about YOLO, right? You know, whatever, right? You only live once, do whatever you want, however it makes you feel. You know, it's just, just this impulse, right? You know, do whatever, you know, you're like, hold on, time out. Right now, it's like impulse buying. You know, that's what's happening, right? You got Black Friday, you got Cyber Monday, and it's all this impulse, impulse, impulse. We laugh at my house because I live in a sorority house. I've got three daughters, and so it's the Simmons sorority house, right? And we laugh about girl math, right? They're like, Dad, it's 50% off. I can get two. I'm like, no, right? It's how you get it for half, right? You know, and, and we, we joke about that, but, but there's all of this impulse. Or you go to the mall, and you're like, I gotta get Christmas gifts, and so you go, and then you're like, hey, that would look good on me. And that would look good on me. And that would look good on me. And, and then you come out and was like, why did I even come here? I don't know, but I got a whole new wardrobe. You know, it's this impulse. It's impulse. That's why marketers salivate this time of year, right? Because you go to Target or Walmart or wherever, and it's all at eye level for your kids. And they know your kids are gonna be grabbing everything and you're not gonna wanna fight the battle in the checkout line. And so you're just like, yeah, sure, get it, get it, get it. But we live in this impulsive world. So here's the big deal. Pray before you make decisions. Pray before you make decisions, right? I love this about Joseph. 
I mean, he, he really considered this and he prayed and the Lord appeared to him, I think while he was praying, while he was considering it. You know, he's like, should I divorce her? He's like, hold on, wait a minute. Maybe there's another way. You know, honestly, guys, sometimes people come in to my office, couples, and they're going through a rough patch in their marriage, and, and they're like, you know, I just think it'd be easier if we just got divorced. I don't want our kids to see us fighting all the time. It probably just, it's just probably easier. I'm like, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, time out, time out, time out. Why don't we pray about this first, okay? Let's pray about, maybe the best thing is to work on your marriage. Maybe the best thing is to have a healthy, growing marriage where your kids see you're not perfect, but man, they see that you love each other. You're working together. And I know, I know sometimes things don't work out. I know that God can redeem it. I know that God can restore. But before you make those decisions, please pray. Before you make any big decisions in your life, man, bring the Lord into it. And Joseph did, praise God. See, here's the thing. Joseph listened to God. Joseph listened to God. Man, that set him apart, right? Here's what it tells us. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, the angel speaks, right? In the dream, God speaks to him right there. Here's what I believe. God always speaks to his people. When you're praying about something, God will speak to you. (laughs) He will. Now God speaks in one of five ways. In one of five ways. One, God can speak through an audible voice. And maybe that's a dream and you just go, man, that was God. I mean, just God spoke, just like Joseph, right? There's only been a couple of times in my life that I felt like I heard God speak in an audible voice. I remember one when I, when I graduated, I had this job interview in business world and God was like, he spoke. I mean, it's like, no, I've called you ministry. And I mean, it was so clear, but I was praying. I remember being on my knees in a hotel room, interviewing with this company and God spoke. And I remember the other time I was dating Lisa and, and, and I was on my knees and I was praying. I was like, God, is she the one? And I literally heard, I literally heard a voice go, she's the one. And I like looked around. I was like, whoa, wow, okay, she's the one, let's go, you know. But, but there's very few times. There's very few times. But God does speak that way sometimes or a dream or however. The second way God speaks is through scripture, through scripture. This is called God's word. Yes, God's word because God speaks through his Word. A famous theologian once said, you know, if, if God spoke in an audible voice today, he would have to repeat himself because he wrote it all down for us to read. And that's why so many times when you're at church on Sundays and you're reading a passage of scripture or talk about it, and you're like, that's for me. <laughs> that, that's, God's like, yeah, the word of God is living and active. God speaks through his word or you're in a community group or a Bible study. And, you know, you're just like, that's God speaking to me. Third way God speaks, God speaks is this, through other people. God speaks to other people. This is why it's so important being in community. This is why, you know, being at church, this is why having, you know, a community group or a men's group or a women's group or prime time or somewhere where you have brothers and sisters in Christ. And before you make big decisions, you go, hey, can we talk about something? (laughs) Hey, I I just need some help. I'm wrestling with this job. I'm wrestling with this relationship. I'm wrestling with this, whatever it is. And and I just need God to speak to me. And then you have these older, wiser people in your life who who go, yeah, let me just encourage you. Let Let me help you in that. The fourth way is through circumstances through circumstances. And maybe as you're praying about something and you just see God open the door or God close the door. And we could try to ram through that door or we could go, okay, wait a minute. God's answering this prayer. God's making it clear. And I just need to trust him in this. And then the fifth way is God's still small voice. 
And I found this is the way I believe God speaks the most. <laughs> the nudging in our hearts and our lives, right? The Holy Spirit in your heart and your life. You just go, I just know. I just know I should do this. I just know what God's calling me to do. I, I know I need to speak about this or talk about this. It's the Holy Spirit's still small voice. That is the beautiful part of being a Christ follower is God places his Holy Spirit in you and God will speak to you. God will lead you in life. I remember several years ago, we had a small group leader and he was, he was working with middle school students and uh, just so fun. And, and he had all of his kids go to camp. He went to summer camp and one of the students gave their lives to Christ. And he was so pumped because he loved the student. He loved their family, right? He had been inviting them to church and, and the student came, gave his life to Christ. And, and the small group leader got him a Bible, bought him a Bible, put his name in it, you know, gave it to him. And, and, the, and the student middle schooler was, man, he was here every Sunday, right? I mean, all the way through August, right after camp, each week he's there, he's got his Bible, and, and the small group leader is just watching this kid grow in his faith. And then September came, and, and the student went there one week, the next week, like four weeks in a row, and he's like, what, what's going on? And so he lived around the corner from the family, and the family was pretty inconsistent at church, but he thought, well, I'll just stop by and check. So he goes by, knocks on the door, and the mom answers the door. And she's like, hey. And he's like, hey, I was just coming by to check on, you know, Johnny. And, uh, and she's like, yeah, I'm so glad he loves you. He loves church. Thank you for the Bible. You know, he's like, I know, it's great. And she's like, we are so excited for him. He's like, I know, I'm just watching him grow. He goes, but I miss him. He hasn't been here for like four weeks. And she goes, oh, yeah. She goes, well, here's what happened. We, we got a new puppy. And we got this new black lab, this new puppy. And so we took him uh, to dog obedience school. And it's just, it's on Sunday mornings. And so, you know, that's the one we signed up for. And he didn't want to go like the first week. So he didn't, he didn't go with us because he wanted to go to church. So he went to church, but we were there. And the trainer told us the first day that we were there. She's like, well, it's, it's really important that your son comes. Because it's so crucial that in these early years, this young puppy learns their master's voice. And the small group leaders just stand there going, wow, it's so important for a young Christian to learn their master's voice. Guys, for all of us, man, I'm telling you, Christmas gets busy. It gets crazy. I get it. I know it. I got three kids. There's something every night. But I want to tell you, if you go through the holidays and you don't spend time to listen, you're going to miss it. You're going to get through Christmas and you go, man, I didn't hear from the Lord. And because God's speaking and God loves you. And God wants a relationship with you. And so this Christmas, find some time to listen, to listen. Hey, look at this one. Look at this one. Joseph, not only listened, but Joseph was obedient. He was obedient. And we're going to come back to that obedient and leave the results up to God. But Joseph was obedient. And I think that's so important, right? We can listen to God, but then the call comes to be obedient. Am I going to do what God says? See, when Joseph woke up, he did, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded. Notice that. See, obedience is about trusting God. We're sneaky people though, aren't we? We're kind of like, okay, God, you show me your plan for my life and then I'll kind of weigh it against my plan, you know, and I'll kind of see what's better, right? And God's going, well, no, it doesn't really work that way. You follow me and just be obedient to me. We're like, eh, okay, I'm kind of looking at this. And Joseph 
He's probably sitting there going, man, we've got the wedding invitations out. I've got all my friends come in. I already got, you know, my groomsmen selected. I mean, like, how's this going to go? And, and what am I going to do? But see, as Christians, we're called to be servants of God. As Christians, we're called to be servants of God. And I think there was this moment that Joseph goes, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to trust him. I don't know how it's all going to go down. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if my parents are going to disown me. I, I don't know what's going to happen to my friends, but, but I'm going to be a servant of God. <laughs> you know, when we accept Christ, right, we die to ourselves and live for Christ. And so when that still small voice prompts us that we're called to step out, we're called to trust, we're called to be obedient. Being obedient and leaving the results up to God. A lot of times we're like, God, just tell me how this is going to play out, you know, and then I'll do it, right? And God's going, no, 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 no. You just do it and let it play out. You just trust me. When I was in high school, I always did all my Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. That's just the way I did it, right? I mean, that's just the way I was. And I grew up in a great church. I was so thankful, so blessed. But, but you know, we always had activities and school and everything. And so Christmas Eve was my shopping day. And I would head to North Star Mall in San Antonio, Texas. If you've ever been there, there's a couple of pair of big boots outside the mall. A great thing. And I would go into the mall on Christmas Eve and just like do it all in one time. Just going in, buying, you know, for my friends and for my family and getting everything. Well, one Christmas Eve, my junior year of high school, I'm walking through North Star Mall and I'm going fast because the mall's getting ready to close. So I'm having to get everything and I'm coming down and I come around the corner and right in the middle of the mall, like a lot of malls have, right? There's a big stage and there was a choir, uh, like a high school choir or middle school choir that just sang Christmas songs and all the parents and grandparents are all around, you know, taking pictures and everything else. And, and they were coming off of the stage. I'm walking around the stage. I'm heading to Dillard's to get my mom a sweater. That's what I always did, right? So I'm heading that way. And, and as I come by the stage, I felt the Holy Spirit just in that moment, God said, hey, go up on that stage and tell everybody what Christmas is really all about. I can tell you exactly where I was. I can, I can show you the exact spot. Here I am, right here. I'm stopping. I'm looking at the stage. I mean, it was like picture perfect. Like the choir has just gone off. They're walking down. Everybody's standing around. It is packed. And God said, just walk right up there and just tell them it's about Jesus. There's not else about all this other stuff. That's fine. It's fun. But, but tell them it's about Jesus. Tell them about me. And, and I stood there literally for a moment, just kind of frozen. And I'm sitting there thinking about this going, you sure? God's like, yes, just go. You're a junior in high school, right? You just walk up there and tell them about Jesus. And I stood there and I stood there and then I walked away. <laughs> I walked off. I went and bought my mom that sweater from Dillard's that she doesn't have anymore, you know, but I didn't do it. And I don't know what would have happened, right? I don't know if I would have gotten kicked out of the mall. I don't know if I would have got arrested. I don't know, right, if, if I would have been late to dinner. I don't know if some people would have accepted Christ. <laughs> I don't know. But I just know that I had that moment right there, and I walked away. And I think there's a lot of times in our lives that the Holy Spirit prompts us. And I'm probably not the only one, right, who... <laughs> There's times where the Holy Spirit prompts us and you just kind of go, okay, I hear God speaking. I know what I should do, but I just don't. And I would encourage you guys. I've tried in my life ever since that moment. I've been like, okay, God, 
I, I'm going to try to be, and I haven't been perfect. There's been other times that I've, I've failed, but, but man, when God prompts my heart to go, you know what, text that person or call that person or go over and have a spiritual conversation or just tell them you're praying for them or tell them that you love them or, or just encourage them. I, I just want to be obedient and leave the results up to God. It's not how they respond. It's just you being obedient because God's planting seeds in you and through you. And God's doing something bigger than you can see. And what I love about Joseph is this, is Joseph was fully committed. He fully committed himself to God's plan, right? I mean, he went all in, right? I don't know what my parents are gonna think. I don't know what my friends are gonna think. I don't know how it's all gonna go down. But listen, I'm going all in. It says, but he did not consummate their marriage. Self-control right there. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And then look at this. How incredible is this? And he, that's Joseph, gave him the name Jesus. How cool is that? Right, how cool is he? I got to tell him his name is Jesus. Salvation. Yeshua. Wow. See, here's the thing, right? Joseph, Joseph, realize that God's plans are better than his plans. His own plans. God's plans are better than his own plans. And so many times we have to understand that God's plans are better than my plans. If I will trust, if I will step out, if I will follow, it doesn't mean I have all the answers. doesn't mean all the questions have been tied up in a neat little bow. It just means I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm gonna trust that God is at work. Do you know the main, two main roles of a father in the home? The two main roles are this. One, a teacher of the trade, right? That, that's what the father did in the home. You know, uh, the kids were under the tutelage of their mom until age five. And then at age five, if they were a boy, they became an apprentice of their dad. And so can you imagine Joseph having the opportunity to teach Jesus to be a carpenter? I mean, how cool would that have been, right? He comes out, he's like, okay, Jesus, here's the deal, right? You, you measure twice, you cut once. Right, and Jesus is like, I built a whole tree house over here, Dad. You know, it's like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, no, 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 we're just too far ahead, you know. But I just think those tender moments that they had of, of watching him be this carpenter and basically probably a stonemason if you go back and study in Israel times, but, but just how awesome to teach him a trade. But the second role of the father was this, to be the spiritual leader of the home. To be the spiritual leader of the home. And you think about Joseph sitting down with Jesus and going, hey, let's go through the Torah. <laughs> Let me tell you about Moses. Jesus is like, yeah. <laughs> hey, dad, have you seen this in the scripture? Because I wrote it. But, you know, it's like, I mean, can you imagine just those times and those conversations and, and Joseph just sitting there going, God, I can't believe I have this privilege. God, I can't believe that I'm sitting right here. Listen, listen I want to tell you, if you're a dad here, You are the spiritual leader of your home. You're a granddad. And I want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you. And I want to tell you how proud I am of you. And so many of you tagged me. You're here. You're at church. From when your kids were small, you brought them to church. You, you're here and, and you're serving and you are making a difference. And I couldn't be more proud of anybody in the world. Thank you. You are that leader. And I know it's not easy. And I know the pressure, especially today, of being a man and providing for your family and taking care, but you are doing it. And I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. You know, I think about, last week Kelly was talking about Mary and Elizabeth and, and how if they were on Instagram, you know, some of the things that they might post. But I think about if Joseph 
was on threads. I'm not going to put him on X or Twitter, you know, formerly Twitter. But, but if he was on threads, I, I just want you to see, maybe he was going to post this. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. <laughs> That's a huge percentage, 90%. Think about this, 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. What about this? 85% of all children that exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. Or what about 85% of all youth sitting in prisons grew up in fatherless homes? <laughs> wow. And here's what I'd say to all of us guys, as dads, yeah, we have a responsibility in our own home and being that father. But also, I want to just encourage you you know, and I know there's some amazing single moms out there and I'm so grateful, so thankful for you, but this is where church comes in. And this is why it's so important for us to serve in, in preschool and children and students. This is why it's so important to, to coach baseball and, and to be there and to step in. It's so important at work, but being present and making an impact and making a difference. And here's the amazing part to me. Why we celebrate Christmas is because God came down to us. And maybe you had a good earthly dad or maybe not. And if you didn't, I'm sorry. But God sent his one and only son, Jesus, for you. And when Jesus died on that cross and paid the price for your sins, and when you accept Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your heart, you know what? You now have a heavenly father that will never leave you or forsake you. You have a God in heaven who says, I'll be your father forever and you trusted him, and you live for him, and you find your worth in him and your value in him for the glory of God. Because the fact is this, God chose Joseph, and God has chosen you. God has chosen you. God in his grace and his sovereignty has invited you into a relationship with him. And if you were the only person in the world, right, and you sinned and you messed up, God still would have sent his son for you. Jesus would have still gone to that cross for you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he wants you to know that you have a heavenly father that'll never leave you or never forsake you. Guys, I'm thankful for you. But I want to tell you, God is with you and God loves you with an everlasting love. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Maybe today is a day of salvation for you. Maybe you've been hardening your heart to God. He's been speaking to you week after week. But today you just go, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sin. I want to follow you. I want to trust you. Maybe today is a day God's been prompting you to be baptized. Or you've been saying no. Or maybe it's serving or joining the church or going on a mission trip. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's talking with your teenager about Jesus. Maybe it's praying with your spouse, but whatever it is, would you trust him? Would you trust him? Joseph did, and so can we. So Father God, we know you're here. And God, you're writing an incredible story in every one of our lives and it all centers on Jesus. So this Christmas, let us find Jesus and let us find our worth, our identity, our life, our eternity in Christ and in Christ alone. Thank you, Father, for the hope that we have. Thank you for salvation. Thank you, Father, for the joy of Christmas because of what Jesus has done for each of us. 
And God, we give our lives back to you. In the beautiful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 After the service, there'll be a cross right over here. And if you want to come over and pray with somebody, that's what church is. That's what community is. And having brothers and sisters to pray with us and for us. And maybe you're going through a hard time or or maybe you're facing a surgery or somebody in your family. Hey, come on over. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. At this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in God's kingdom and for God's glory. And if you're a first-time guest, all we ask is that you would give us that connection card and we can follow up with you. But if you have a prayer request, write it on the back and drop it in the basket. If you're online, hey, we would love to pray with you. Go in the chat room and let us know. But let me say a short prayer right now as we have a chance to give. Father, thank you for your presence. Wow, you are here in this place. And thank you that you chose each one of us. It's not an accident that we are here today. That you wanted us to hear from you. And so Father, God, draw our hearts close to you this Christmas. Take what is given today, bless it, multiply it, and use it, Father, so that many people hear about you and the good news of Christ. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, we give. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you're subscribed and get notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app. Follow us on social media or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.